Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Well, church, we're going to continue our series from clean to pure. And, uh, you know, we, we read last week that heaven is first of all pure. Amen. Whenever heaven opens, it's pure. Whatever comes out from heaven is pure. So, you know, we're really believing that through this series that clean hands, pure hearts is going to become a very, very clear pattern for us to follow. Amen. God doesn't want any other kind of believer than a clean and a pure. But you see, when we get saved, the Bible says that we are made clean. He washes us. And cleanses us. How many of you know this? He washes us and cleanses us by his blood. So you're clean in his sight. But you don't stay at that point. You move on to pure. Does this, everybody understand this? You move from the position. You start from a point of clean. And you move to the position of purity. So God's always trying to pure our hearts. Pure our motives. Pure our thoughts. Pure our actions. Why? Because in the presence of God, God isn't clean. God's pure. Hello? God is pure. He's not just clean. He's pure. So our objective this morning is to, is through the blood spoken and the forgiveness received, that you understand that you are now clean, but this is just one, this is one part of the process of salvation. And that process is what God has done for you. So God cleansed you, God forgave you, God washed you, God gave you the hope and the future. That was all what God did. All you had to do was receive it, and that gift of faith to receive Christ was given to you by the Holy Ghost. You did, you did nothing. So that's what God did for you. uh, The second objective is to highlight that from this position of cleanliness, we must now pursue intimate, pure relationship with Christ. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this process is called what God is now doing in you. As you begin to pursue God, God begins to deal with you. You're very quiet this morning. <laughs> Can you see this? So the first stage is what God did for you. Now through relationship, now through intimacy, God now begins dealing with you. So Lord, show me my heart, Lord. Lord, uh, you know, what's the word? Um, search me and know me. See if there's any anxious way within me. So God now begins to search through your heart. And now this is an ongoing relationship, God's dealing with you en route. Because let me tell you this. This might, this might kind of take some thinking. You are saved. Everybody understand that? You are being saved. And you will be saved. Right. So you start from, I'm saved. Now I'm being saved. What does that mean to be saved? More of me is being redeemed. More of me is being cleansed. My heart, my thoughts, my actions, my ways are all being cleaned en route. So now it's what God's doing in me. Amen? So that's why we say, Lord, give me a clean heart. Why? Because I want to pursue, I want to relate, I want to be intimate with you. But I know to go that depth, I still need more work. Amen? So this is what God is doing in me. So you must have a testimony of what God is doing in you. There must always be a work because this work that Christ begun is not yet finished. His work on Calvary is finished, but his work in you is not. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he didn't really mean his work in you. He meant his work for bringing death and destruction to an end. But his work in you is ongoing. True? So every time we, we, you know, we enter into repentance, every time he forgives us, a new work is begun. So we cut off the old way and we start, and God says, okay, I can see this heart is not yet fully, fully persuaded, convinced that I am the way, the truth, the life. 
Okay, Tony, get back on the potter's wheel. And God was shaping the clay as it seemed best to him. And your life is being molded. And at times he just picks it up and throws it down. Because he has to start again. Because you're so rebellious you won't change your ways. Anybody been there? So then God begins to start putting his hand. And you notice when a potter's beginning to sculpture, he puts his hand inside. And he pulls it up. Depending on your, your, you know, your destiny, God shapes you and fits you for purpose. So he puts the water of his word on the wheel. Amen? And he puts his hands inside there, and then he puts you in the oven. And then he glazes you. Then fit for purpose. So then you can go and be shared with the world. Then you become a vessel. That's been shaped in God's hand. So that's the work that's going on inside you. Anybody got that work going on? Some of you are thinking, oh no, not again. Yes, this is ongoing all the time. So, the third objective is p- of doing this series is by pursuing a life of, pu- of purity, we then take this life of ours outside. Amen? Into the world where we live, we lead, and we demonstrate it before our work colleagues, our family members, our church friends, those who know and observe our life. What is the point of having a good vessel and the others can't share it? This is called a process of what God is now doing through you. So what he did to you, what he's doing in you, and what he's doing through you. Is it working? Yeah, there you go. There it is. What God is doing for you, what God is now doing in you and to you, what God is now doing through you. Those works should be going on in your life. From going, the whole process of moving from clean to pure will evolve those three areas. He cleansed you, he washed you, he forgave you. That was the start of the process. Yes, you were cleansed at that point. Then you move on through relationship. God's doing a work in you. For the Bible says, he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on until the day of completion. So you're an ongoing work. You can say amen. Now, God says, now go out. The mandate of all discipleship is to go out, share the, share the gospel, make disciples, teaching them to obey. That is the mandate given to the church, is it not? Right. So then now, it's, now that need, you need to have your vessel clean and pure so your vessel, clean and pure as it is, can be shared with others. Because you know what? The world is looking for purity. When you're pure, the world will notice. Because <laughs> the world isn't pure. Have you noticed? Now, if you go into your Bible, James, in the book of James, chapter 3, listen to what he says. If you harbor bitter envy, James 3, verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder. And every evil practice. But listen. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Okay. Then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest. Now notice that whenever heaven opens up, the first thing we see is that whatever comes, it's first of all pure. This is why we need heaven over our lives. This is why we need heaven over the church. This is why heaven, we're not waiting to die to go to heaven. We're living to bring heaven on earth. Amen? See, it's no use being pure in heaven. We need to be pure on earth. We need to be pure in our relationships with each other. We need to be pure with our relationship with the Father. This is it. This is where it counts on planet earth. So heaven has to open up over our lives so that everything under heaven becomes pure. See this? There is no, this is why you can never have heaven manifestate. The first thing God begins to do when heaven opens up over your life or over the church is he begins to clean out, clear up, and purify. Whenever you see any revival, any move of God, you see the saints beginning to be transformed. But what church people want is they want the presence of God, but they don't want to be clean, clean, clear, or pure. 
Heaven, first of all, when it opens up, is pure. So when we desire to open up heaven, this is why you'll always find your hearts being set in his presence. Once we set our hearts right in his presence, God will go after your heart. He has no other alternative. He's always wanting more of you. This is why he pursues us through an intimate relationship. Amen? So we can never, you can't be, remain. well, you can remain in this church. I've seen it. But the more you remain in this church, the more the presence of God will pursue you. And the more it will challenge you to clean up your act and purify. Now you can turn off the God conscious switch. It's up to you. But I tell you what, there's going to come a point when you won't get the option. God, soon as heaven opens up, wham, straight away. Amen? Now notice what he says. is that the behavior that comes from within inside the human heart. Notice the, the characteristics of the behavior and the origin of what we've just read. He says, bitterness, envy, boasting, along with the denial of the truth. For wherever these character traits are, there you have disorder. Now, does that sound like purity to you? That sounds like complete evil, disorder, because they're not the things that come from a pure heart. They're not the things that should be going on inside church. They're not the kind of things that should be going on inside you, but they do. So then he says this, James clearly tells that that these traits do not come from heaven. So whenever you see them in people, you know heaven has not opened up over that person's life. See, ambition in church, wow, it's massive. Everybody wants to do what I'm doing, but they don't want the life I carry. Everybody wants the pulpit because they think they've got something to say. Everybody thinks they can sing. We know. We know the truth to that. We didn't even have an X Factor audition. And we know that. But people think that the church, the platform is the place. If I'm seen, then I've got power. No, you haven't. Have you ever heard that phrase? You're seen, but you're not heard. Some guys are at the front, seen, but they're never heard. So we've got to make sure that these don't come from our hearts. Because God is going after ambition, selfish ambition, envy, jealous. So when somebody does get a position, you get envious. Why get envious about someone you can serve? Well, I want their job. It's a job now, is it? See, you'll always be exposed. Your attitudes will always be exposed. That's what I love about purity. When heaven opens up, you get away with nothing. Amen? So whenever it opens up and it begins to flow in our direction, the principle of first of all pure kicks in. First of all pure. So whatever comes from heaven, it has to establish the environment straight away. And it has to be pure. If heaven's going to fall, it has to be pure. It can't just be experiential. You can't just fall down, get up and go back to your ways. Heaven has to establish itself in the environment. Then heaven stays. When it finds soil on the ground, when it finds good materials, good vessels who desire what heaven desires, heaven sticks around. This is the start of a move of God. Hearts are changed. Hearts are refreshed. Hearts are encouraged. Hearts are enlightened. Hearts pursue more of him. Lord, I want, I want to go deeper again, Lord. I want to go deeper. Cleanse my heart, Lord. Make, make sure there's no offensive way within me. That is the sign of someone pursuing heaven and heaven cannot help but, it won't hold itself back. It can't help but release itself over you. Wow. It's first of all, pure. Amen? See, if we're to move from being clean into becoming pure, affecting the image and likeness of Jesus in our lives, then we must understand the principle of first of all, pure. We must understand this principle. Heaven is, first of all, pure. So where heaven falls, everything in the environment, heaven takes over. Amen? So, when heaven comes, the first thing it does, it exposes evil, disorder, 
and selfish ambition and boasting. That's why people are exposed in God's presence. And they're either then challenged to repent or they get up and walk out. But evil and disorder and jealousy and ambition cannot live in this house if we're clean and pure. Because the first thing God will do is drive it out. He'll drive it out of you. And also the lack of ambition. Because ambition, there must be some kind of desire in your heart. If there's no desire, that can just be as evil as load too much. Or the wrong kind of desire. Amen? So, you understand the first of all, pure. Heaven must be first of all, pure. So when we live by the attitude of first of all, pure, instantly we begin to release a string of fruits in our life. And those fruits is what we read, peace-loving. Anybody know any peace-loving people? Anybody seen anyone who considers others better than themselves? Consideration is another fruit of purity. When you consider others, it's not selfish, is it? So you've already killed selfish ambition, and now you pursue the concerns of others. Now, if you pursue the concerns of others, then selfish ambition can never live in you. True? But the moment you turn around and say, well, they didn't do it for me, so I'm not doing it for them, that's selfish. Now it's called equalizing. They do it, I'll do it. It's all dependent upon them. That's that's selfish. What about submission? Another fruit. The first thing that when heaven breaks out, people begin to submit their hearts to God and to one another. That's a sign of heaven breaking out. People become submissive. Husbands, wives, the marriage becomes accurate. You're going quiet now. Husbands and wives become accurate. Children become accurate. The more the kids are in the environment, the more heaven's falling even on the kids. Our kids begin to come into alignment. It's true. When heaven breaks out, you see lives are completely changed. You, I mean, we've got all the history books. I'll tell you all the moves of God. Read Robert Sladen's book on uh, God's generals. He'll tell you whenever a move of God came, the whole community was changed. Lives were changed. Oh, there was battles. There always will be battles. Heaven doesn't take away a fight. If anything, heaven creates one. Another trait is mercy. Instead of being judgmental, we become merciful. Then we see good fruit, impartiality, sincerity, and peacemakers. All out of James. All these traits now begin to flow out of a pure heart. So when you're praying, Lord, give me a pure heart, oh God. These are the traits he's looking for. Have you got peace-loving attitudes? Have you got consideration? Have you got submission in your heart? Have you got mercy for others? Have you got good fruit? Have you got impartiality? Or do you always stand on the side where popularity? Do you, are you sincere? Are you a peacemaker? The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen? Because it says, out of all these things, a harvest of righteousness will emerge. James tells us all these things. So in James, he's telling us all the things that are wrong, the deceitfulness, the ambition, all that kind of stuff. And he's telling us that when heaven opens up, it changes the dynamics. First of all, it's pure. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. As it begins to pour into our lives, it begins to change everything that an evil, disordered environment once had. It begins to transform the environment. Does that make sense? This is why we need to move from being clean into purity. Can you imagine our teenagers? Our teenagers sitting there, right, having wholesome relationships. So when they get to the altar, they're pure. They've held themselves for that moment. Rather than everybody else. See, when Tom and Grace got married, for those people in the congregation who wasn't part of this congregation, they were challenged and convicted. Why? Because the environment was pure. How do two young people get to this stage and the world will think, that's crazy. You should, you should go and have as much sex as you can with who you can. 
Plant it. And then all of a sudden they come into an environment and their God, God aggressively gets hold of them and says, this is what can happen. When two people keep themselves for each other, never all of a sudden everyone goes, you know what, I feel guilty. Then they wish they'd have had that kind of life. Purity is a beautiful thing. No one can ever slander purity. They feel convicted by it. They'll run a mile from it, but they'll never, they'll never turn around. There's something about purity that makes them defenseless. Amen? Beautiful. This is what we need to see back in the church. This is what we need to see. This is what we're going for, church. This is what we're going for. This is what an agent of change is all about. This is what makes us real church. You can sit on your blessed assurance, say everything you want, but tell you what, this is what makes us, this is what will draw the Holy Ghost to us. This is what will change, make the difference in our, in our community. You watch God do amazing things because we pursue this kind of lifestyle. See, where most churches want big numbers, that are unchanged. You can't change the people. Why? Because the people are set to receive a certain kind of service. But we want to pursue God, his heart. So that God can do what he wants here. You watch people come. Because they'll want what we've got. Purity. Wow. I wish someone had taught me this when I was younger. I wish someone would have just taught me that it's not just about you can't touch. It's all about law. If they'd have taught me why God wants purity, about his heart, if they'd have taught me that, I might have made different choices. I still made a choice. It's not their fault. It's my fault. But there's a lot of stuff I'm giving you now that I didn't have and you didn't have. But now we've got it, we can make different choices. Amen? It's not God says don't do it. It's why he doesn't want you to do it. Amen? God will always begin to clean up, clear out and purify our lives when you go for this level. That's why agents of change were so powerful because it wasn't just word, it was encounter. And when God encountered us, purity came out. Oh God, change my heart. Touch my heart, Lord. Change me. Wash me. Just give me a fresh start. How many of us got a, a fresh slate? A clean slate, I should say. Amen? See, the wisdom of this world does not carry purity. The wisdom of this world is, is evil. The wisdom of this world is still flesh on its best day. And flesh is carnal and it's, it's evil. It's destructive, that's it. Why? Because its origin is Satan. Amen? Until Christ can get inside it and work from the inside, Satan will only ever affect us from the outside and get in, because once he gets on the inside, that's it. Amen? But the, world, the world's wisdom denies the truth. It fights against the truth. It resists the truth. It hates, the, it doesn't want the consequences of truth. Amen? And it maligns and it, exp and it opposes all forms of truth. That's why Jesus says, take care, take great care because in this world you'll have many troubles, but I have overcome them. Because this world doesn't want what you carry, but there are, but there are people in this world who will receive what you carry. The world doesn't want it. Why? Because the prince of this world is evil. But the ruler of the world wants it. God Almighty. Amen? James tells us that these traits have an origin. They have an origin. And that origin is evil. And that evil has fruits, disorder, selfish ambition. See, we're not part of that system. We're not part of that wisdom. But the wisdom that we receive is first of all pure. Amen? So the wisdom that God has given us is pure. Can you get that? It's pure. It has no other alternative, I should say, ambition, motive, than to reveal Christ to you. So that you can reflect the image and likeness of your Father. Isn't that good? Wisdom, God, pure, uh, heavenly wisdom is not used for selfish ambition. It's used for heaven's gain. Hey, come on, this is good. See, impurity poisons and it contaminates people and the environment, does it not? 
in which they live in. On Friday night, we went to Dag's, uh, Daniel's uh, stag night, and you could see it all. You could see it all. And it's there. But you know, I don't run in my cave. Why? Because I'm light in that area. I, as long as I don't do the silly things that everyone else is doing. See, but the old, give me the old-time religion says you couldn't even go out. What about responsibility? I've got responsibility. I'm not staggering and drunk all over the place like everyone else is. There was an old bloke there. And this place we went on Friday night. And this guy was like the ringleader. Wasn't he, Andy? The old fellow. He could motivate everyone. But when he was motivating, you saw it all. Oh, I won't go into it. There was all kinds of things going on. But that's the world. But the wisdom I carry is, first of all, pure. Amen? See, in society, you've got deceitful, lustful, selfish ambition. You've got aggression. Amen? You've got disdain for the things of God. It's godless. This is why heaven must touch earth. This is why heaven must be carried out. You must carry heaven outside to families, to friends, to those who are observing your life. Take heaven out to the people. Let heaven cook, uh, speak for you. Let purity come out. Amen? So it's got, this has got to happen. This can happen. And then we turn the environment, our, our factory, where everyone's, you know, might be coarse or something like that. We can turn it into peace-loving. I can keep peace. See, when I worked in a factory, people stopped swearing around me. People started, stopped telling certain jokes around me. Why? Because I was affecting the environment. I wasn't necessarily affecting them in terms of them repenting, but at least there was a consciousness that was coming over and saying, no, 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 we can't do that because he's kind of, they might say he's religious. Well, let them use that word. But what was in me was holding back what was trying to come out of them. That's it. You change your environment. So then people start becoming considerate towards you. Amen? And that those people who won't, speak those things around you there's a sense of submission amen and there's there's a there's a sense of heaven breaking out where you are so when the judgment day comes they can always turn around they can't turn around and say i never knew anything about this god can say there there was heaven right there heaven worked next to you heaven had a name heaven was a person heaven has a name and it's in a person. So it's called a Kath. It's called a Chris. It's called a David. It's called a Tony. I am heaven's representative. I'm an ambassador. You are. But can, I have, can heaven have an ambassador that's pure? Not just a Christian, but a pure Christian. I love this stuff. You see, we don't just carry a message. This is where we go wrong. Oh, we just carry a message. We carry a life. We carry a life, not just a message. You see, you want people to be saved by your message, but your life speaks. It's your life they're drawn to. And when people see the life within you, your message has power. Next time you open your mouth, can purity come out? Cleanliness come out? Oh, I've just got a message. You see, even on Friday night, there was guys in the street speaking out for Jesus. But you, you, you have to ask yourself, where was the compassion? They're just, you're all going to hell, you're going to burn. I'm thinking, whoa, do people still say things like that? And now they feel, is it truth? Yes. But you think there could have been a, maybe a different way of saying it? Maybe, maybe talking to someone said, hey, you know, let me just say what the Bible says. Actually, on that course you're going, this is going to happen. You will burn in hell. Well, cheers, blokes. Thanks for the encouragement. Why is that going to turn me around? Why is that going to change me? Is it truth? Yes. But what about, yeah, exactly. If I'm going to burn, I might as well have another drink. She say fallen women. Yeah, well, say one for me. That's what they used to say. You see, what we need is purity, sincerity, compassion, peacemaking. See, when heaven starts to speak to people like that, people don't react. They listen. It's different. 
The environment's not, what do they say, antagonistic. Amen? Someone telling me I'm going to burn in hell, I almost want to slap them. You see, even though I'm a Christian, they don't know I'm a Christian, they're going to assume I'm a sinner, so they're going to tell me I'm going to burn in hell. I want to slap them. True? But that's not pure, is it? That's called revenge. Anger. You see, heaven has to open up over a life. Do you realize this? It's lives that cause heaven to open up over the life. You see, heaven might not be over this church, but it could be over these two. Do you realize that? Heaven's not open over every church. Because people won't listen and won't walk according to what the Bible says. People won't live pure lives. So if they won't change, why would heaven open? But you can have members inside that church who carry heaven. How many people are in, locked in the Church of England or the Catholic Church who have good hearts? The good people. Heaven's opened up over them. And God will lead them towards the truth. Yeah? The system might be flawed, but not everybody in it necessarily is. Yeah? And God will re- either redeem the roots or he'll pull them out of there and bring them to living branches. That's why our banner, same side, the tree, speak to it tenderly. God will draw out. And Lydia was one of those women. In Acts 16, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, Tyra, who was a worshipper of God. Now, she didn't have your worship, but she was a worshipper. She, in other words, she wasn't a woman who sang songs. She was a woman. See, that's what we think worship is. Worship has nothing to do with singing songs so much. Well, it has got something to do with singing songs, but that's not the main emphasis. Let me give you a lesson here. For anyone who says my ministry is a worship leader, say this, it doesn't exist. It does not No, I'm the only one who can say this because I'm a worshiper, a pastor, and a musician. Well, some kind of musician. Well, I'll leave that open for interpretation. And I love telling musicians, you don't have a ministry. It's called the ministry of helps. Why? Because read the New Testament. Where do you see the gift of a worship leader there? You don't. He says everyone must bring a song, a psalm, a hymn. That's everyone. That's not the worship leader. They went into the synagogue. When does it say they were all singing songs? It's not so much about a a, a chorus or a hymn or a song. In fact, what about Paul and Silas when they were in the prison? Where was the band? There wasn't a band. Heaven was over them. So we've got to realize that all these musicians are making, are setting all the patterns out there for worship. Shut up, you're wrong. Why? Because they're making it what they want it to be, not what scripture says. Hello? Do we need music? Yes. Do they, do they have a role? Absolutely. I don't say I'm the minister. You know, it's a ministry. It's not a ministry. The scripture does not talk about a worship leader in the New Testament. But we feel the benefits of these people. Of course we do. We want them. We encourage them. But let's remind them there's a line. Why? Because it stops selfish ambition. Stops people wanting to get behind there because they think if they get behind there, they're seen, they've made it. You're a worshipper six and a half days a week. Yeah? Yeah? You're a worshiper. What does worshippers do? The priests. They know how to offer sacrifices. They know how to take the word. They know how to live the word. They know how to be obedient to the word. They know how to be submissive to the word. What, had, what part of that was music? It's true. Now, when you talk like that to musicians, sometimes it's amazing you'll get a reaction because they think you're getting rid of them. Think you're making them redundant. No, no, no. What we're doing, we're setting the house in order. And what it will do, it will reveal what's in your heart. Okay, Lord, there's, there's another area. Maybe that's why heaven's not falling in our worship team because him and him and her are resisting when you say things like that. And you think, okay, that's not pure there. Let's clean it out, Lord. Let's clear it out, Lord. Then you find them saying, Lord, it doesn't matter. Lord, we're just your servants. Lord, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter about position. Now they're pursuing God. That's how it should have been. 
should have always been about him first. Position does not replace God. Amen? So Lydia was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. This lady, she didn't know what Paul knew, but she was a worshiper. And God saw her heart and went, you know what? We can, we can pour heaven into this lady's life. And this lady will become strategic on the earth. She was strategic. Why? Because she was a worshiper. She wasn't a singer of songs. She was a lover of God. A big difference. Now, I'm going down to London in a couple of weeks' time to, to do a worship seminar. And this is, I don't get asked to do things like this. So I've got all day to talk on my favorite subjects. Well, one of my favorite subjects. So talking to the, uh, the Filipinos down in London, it's going to be a joy. The pastor said, I can't, and he's never seen me. He said, I can't think of anyone more qualified to talk about what I want you to talk about. And I went, you're absolutely right. Let me go for it. Let me go for it. So I've got a full day in London talking to the, uh, the guys in, in there. So this church has opened up since agents of change. So this has been a fantastic opportunity. Why? Because this is one of the things I'm going to address first and foremost. Because every worship seminar you go to, they all talk about the mechanics of worship. No one talks about what a worshipper is or what worship isn't. All they talk about is how to get better chord progressions, how to get better rehearsals. But we've never worked that one out, have we, Claire? We've never worked out to get a better rehearsal. There are no rules for what we do. We just go. We're building the spirit. Most churches want to stick with five songs in a poem. This morning I say to the church, well, we got, these are the songs we might get to. Did, did we go with the order? No. There's every kind, listen, I'm going to say this very carefully. There's all kinds of disorder when I'm leading. There's all kinds of disorder, and Claire just smiles at me. That's why I say, she was the sugar, I was the spice. Right? Because, you know, when that spice gets too hot and people go, at least they love the sugar. And when God puts together sugar and spice, I always know I can leave and go anywhere. She never resists. She's got a beautiful submissive heart. Because I don't know where I'm going, so how can I tell her? <laughs> Sue, is it not? And I use notes that are not even available. But she covers my sin. She covers my sin. Why? Because I, I tell the musicians all the time, how, you know, when heaven's fallen, I say, see, what part of mechanics brought that to us? None of it. It's very important we set worship right. Get man out of the way. That was a revelation to my heart this morning. How we created the same system in here. In charismania, still dependent upon man. So the dimensions of the heart. The heart is the center of my chest. If you've got a heart, just put your hand on your chest, see if it's still pumping, still beating. If you're not, you're dead. If it's not there, go and see David. Regin uh, Grace's son, he's studying about the heart, so. See, my heart feels. Does your heart feel? It's emotional. It's the place where I wrestle the most. Are you, like, are you like that? It's the place where my will is exposed. Yeah? What I decide in my heart comes out of my life. Or am I the only one? My affections come from my heart. Yeah? For where your heart lies, your treasure is also there. My passions, my hobbies... My dreams and my desires come from my heart. And they all come from yours as well. It's the place of intellect. As my thoughts come from my intellect. Yeah? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And the New Living Translation says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it directs the course of your life. So one is the wellspring, the other one says it's, it directs the course of your life. It's so important that we guard our hearts. It's not going, Ralph. Oh, it is. Your spirit is where God connects with you. You know that? Your spirit is where God connects to you through your heart. God can speak and flow through your spirit, your heart and your mind, 
but then your body comes into alignment. You see, God speaks to our heart. So the heart, we know the heart is, is muscle. But the heart is also spiritual. True? It's the center. It's, it's the consciousness of God inside me that beats. See, if my heart, if my desires, my thoughts, my hobbies, my dreams all come from my heart, then how much more should they be pure? Because out of the, out of the, um, the flawed heart comes evil desires. True? But out of the pure heart comes right motives. Now, the next time we, we look at this um, on purity from Clinton, I'm going to talk about motives. Just motives alone. Motives are very, very, very strong in our hearts. We all have motives. It's the reason for doing something. But what lies behind it? That's the issue. What lies behind it? I'm going to show you through scripture how we need to guard our motives and what the Bible says about motives. Amen? Because we're going after a pure heart. We're going, up, we're going from clean to pure. Heaven is, first of all, pure. We want heaven to open up, so everything has to be pure. That's where we are. So if you've got secret sins, I suggest you don't make them secret anymore. I'm, su- I'm suggesting to you, you start talking to your Father in heaven and getting it cleaned up because it will be exposed. Now, the last thing you want is someone to come with a spiritual gift and send the Lord showing me. <laughs> the last thing you want is a prophet to come in. Because when they speak, man, you're finished. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates, listen, even to divide it in the soul and spirit. The joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when, if I'm alive to God in my conscience and my heart is alive, the word of God will separate my heart from my soul. Why? Because my soul is carnal, but my spirit is righteous. True? So God's word has to come in, cut off what's not righteous, what's not right, what's not pure, what's not clean, and he has to separate it because my soul, when I die, my soul is one thing, but my spirit... Is what goes to heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews that it's the spirit of a righteous man that's been made perfect. It's the spirit of a righteous man, not his soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are your soul. And how many of you know your soul gets you in trouble? Soul, you ever heard the song Soul Train? Well, you know why it's called a train? Because it's taking you somewhere. But with a righteous spirit, God can do so many things with a righteous man. It's the righteous spirit that's been made perfected. That's been perfected. That's the spirit that goes into Zion. You have come where the spirits of righteous men are made perfect. So God's dealing with our spirit. And God has to separate the spirit from the soul. That is a problem with many of us. We don't want the word to separate. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So if everything must be uncovered, I need a place for him to uncover it. I need a safe place where it can be uncovered, where he can expose it, show it to me, then my will then makes a choice. True? My will now says, Lord, I don't want this, Lord. Take it from me. I desire to push in and say, Lord, clean me up. Purify my heart, Lord. I've seen my own heart, Lord. I don't like it. God says, I don't like it. I didn't show you to condemn you. I showed it to you so that you would see through my eyes how it affects my heart. And now it's affecting your life. So why the two of us might need a third person to help? Because, you know, you need help on the ground. To go in, clean it out, purify it, so it can be fit for the master. That's why you need to be submissive. Amen? Wow. The heart is the home of all your intrinsic qualities. Such as your character, your temperament, your values, your morals, your ethics. Everything flows out of there. Yeah? In your character lies your courage. Wow. 
in your character, okay? Lastly, we don't have time to finish it all, but yeah, let me think of a point, okay. In Luke 6, 45, it said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So whenever you see a mouth or you hear a mouth speaking, you're always hearing what's inside the heart. Always. Okay? So I know nothing's ever said randomly, is it? Think about that. Nothing's ever said randomly. It's been thought, it's been practiced in you from time past. You've had a thought, you've had some feelings, you've had some emotions, you're just waiting for the culprit to get it. True? So nothing's ever said randomly. Some things are said purposefully, but some things, the wrong person gets the bullet. True? And then you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've just been put under pressure. So now you became my target. And it's okay, because now my heart's all shot up to pieces, and you can say, sorry, and now I'm supposed to heal my heart, but leave your heart untouched. Got to be very careful, the evil man. The good man brings good things out of the good stored. Good stored. So that means there's been a relationship, there's been a process of clearing out, so now good things are being stored. Amen? It's a process. If you've always been evil, and you've, or you've never let the Holy Spirit work on you, then there's been no good things stored up. Everything's emotional. Everything's carnal. Everything's experiential. That's dangerous. And the evil man brings evil things out of his evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow, the mouth or the heart speaks. A pure heart is happy to forgive. Do you know that? A pure heart is happy to forgive. A pure heart, listen, is happy to give in. Ladies, gentlemen, when you're arguing with each other, a pure heart is quick and happy to give in. True? A clean and pure heart is happy to deal with struggles. Yeah? You know that when a, you know that when a leader is impure, the nation's in trouble. Whenever you've got an evil leader whose heart is impure, that country is finished. We only have to look at some of the dictators we've seen, Adolf Hitler. You see uh, Amin, Idi Amin. Pol Pot, is that his name? You just go on, Ceausescu. You can just go on and on. But when there's evil men on the earth leading people, and the hearts are corrupt, that nation's finished. Do you know that? But also, when a good man gets in office, a nation can be exalted. So, who's in office? We're in office. We're in office. So as we're in office, we are going to dictate the environment. We're going to bring our environment into where there's evil. We're taking our environment out, church, to where there is evil, where there is selfish ambition, where there is jealousy, where there is no trust. We're taking our environment. We're taking heaven, which is first of all pure, we're taking it out there. Amen? We're not worried about what the environment is. We're just taking our environment. Why? Because we're in office. And our commander-in-chief says... Go and invade the earth. We do that. But we need to get our hearts right. Let's stand to our feet, please. I've not been able to finish it all, but then again, when do I ever finish? I know that we're going to take heaven. Heaven wants to invade the earth. Dream Center, I seriously, seriously want to encourage you to guard your heart and your mind. I seriously, seriously want to encourage you that in your quiet times, in your personal walk with, with Christ, you begin to ask him to search your heart. Lord, if this environment is bringing heaven, then I must be able to trust heaven 
that's falling, what's breaking out over me. This is a good time to get your life sorted. Why? doesn't matter what sin you've committed, heaven can restore you. Heaven can restore you. So this is a good time to get things right with one another. This is a good time to get things right with heaven, with heaven itself. It's a good time to get things right. It's a good time to get healed. It's a good time to become righteous. It's a good time to become pure. It's a good time to stand in office for the king, for the kingdom king. Amen? Would you agree with that? You're going to see heaven break out in so many ways right across the church. You're going to find weeping's going to come. Oh yeah, weeping will come. You're going to see men cry. Oh, I don't know about that. When heaven breaks, it's pure. When heaven breaks, it's pure. So when it gets rid of me and it gets rid of you, that's good. But it doesn't feel good at the time. But it's good for us. Amen? Just raise your hands if you will, please. We are not creating a system of man. Heaven is letting you go all the way. Heaven is pursuing you to go all the way. Don't let anything stand in your way of pursuing purity. Amen? So right now, say, Father, in your own heart, just pray this prayer. Father, heaven is breaking over me. And I know it's first of all pure. It's changing me. It wants to change. It desires to have me. But oh God, I desire to have it. Oh God, give me confidence. Give me courage. Give me endurance to pursue. Give me stickability to see it fully break over my life, over my family's life, over my work environment. Oh God, clean me up. Make me a clean vessel. Purify my heart, my motives, my actions, so I can be like a Lydia. I can deal in what I need to deal with, but also I can be a strategic person for heaven to break over and break out. Oh God, this morning I make a decision before you to pursue heaven, to pursue the God of heaven because he's first of all pure. In Jesus' name, this is my prayer, oh God, today. May the Lord bless me. May the Lord keep me. May the Lord make his face shine upon me. And may the Lord give me peace as I pursue his will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.